A little while ago, I was driving my car in a 70 zone. And maybe because I was going down a hill, maybe I wasn't paying attention, and maybe my car crept up over 70 k's an hour, and then I saw him. There was a policeman waiting at the bottom of the hill with a radar gun, and he looked very happy to see me. But then suddenly, he looked at his gun. Something had gone wrong. He didn't get the reading. His gun had misfunctioned. And then he looked at me as if to say, oh, you are so lucky. But a little while later, I was a little bit annoyed. Why are there so many police around? Why can't they leave me alone? But there are other times I see cars hooning around, speeding. And I'm thinking, where are the police? We need more police. Where is the justice? Ah, justice. We have a love hate relationship with justice. Well, g'day, my name is Sam Chan from City Bible Forum. Thank you for having me here today. I understand you're going through a four-part series called What Everybody Needs to Know. So far, we've covered in week one, kingdom. Last week, we covered freedom, or maybe it was the other way around. Next week, you're going to cover love but today is week three and our topic is justice. And our question is this, what does everybody need to know about justice? Well, I'm gonna to try to answer this in the form of a talk now. And here I've got six things to say, six things that everybody needs to know about justice. Number one, there is such a thing as retributive justice. We can define retributive justice as this. It's paying the penalty for doing something wrong. That is retributive justice. This is a feather duster. Now to our white Anglo-Australian friends, a feather duster is a feather duster. But to us Asian Australians, we know a feather duster is an instrument of retributive justice in the hands of an Asian mother. This is what our Asian mothers hit us with if we did something wrong. We paid the penalty for doing something wrong. And you know what? We all turn out all right. And that's because there is a place for retributive justice. Whenever we pay a parking fine, we are paying the penalty for parking somewhere we should not have parked. Whenever we pay a late penalty for handing an essay in late, well, we're paying the penalty. And in sport, whenever we do something wrong, when we infringe, like in AFL, if we're caught holding the ball, well, then we pay the penalty. That is retributive justice. And God has set up this universe so that there is retributive justice. Here we read in Romans chapter 13, verse 4. If you do wrong, be afraid for rulers, the government. They do not bear the sword or punishment for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And we have retributive justice 
Because without retributive justice, there'll be no peace. There will be chaos, anarchy instead. So imagine if there were no traffic fines. Well, traffic would be chaos like it is in Asia. Imagine if there were no late penalties for handing our essays in late. Well, we'd always be procrastinating then, never getting the essay done. And imagine if there were no penalties in sport. Well, there'll just be brawls and fights all the time. Now, retributive justice, even though we don't like it, is a good thing. It ensures peace, law, and order. But this brings us to the second thing that we want to say about justice, and it's this. Hell is the ultimate retributive justice. You know, in sport, when we infringe badly, we might get a yellow card, and sometimes it might even be a red card. And that is the umpire's way of saying, well, buddy, you are now removed, separated from the game. And hell is God's ultimate yellow card. And here we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus to illustrate what hell is all about. Luke chapter 16, the beggar Lazarus died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, heaven. The rich man, on the other hand, he also died. He was buried and in Hades or hell where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away but with Lazarus the beggar by his side. This is a story we know maybe quite well. Jesus tells the story of a beggar, Lazarus, and a rich man. Lazarus ends up in heaven and the rich man ends up in hell. And at that point we think, you know what, this story makes sense. I feel okay about this story. I don't know what the beggar did right, but I think he deserves to be in heaven. And I'm not sure what the rich man exactly did, but somehow I think he should be in hell. Somehow we have the sense that we actually do need hell because people do need to pay the penalty. This is why we have the Me Too movement. People need to pay the price for what they've done. This is why we have the Black Lives Matter movement, why we have the outcry over what happened to George Floyd. People do need to pay the price. And recently we have the outcry over what happened to Breonna Taylor because people do need to pay the price. And hell is God's way of saying, you know what? People will pay the price. Luke chapter 12, if it is possible, actually this is Romans 12, sorry, not Luke 12. Romans 12, Paul writes, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. Here Paul is writing, because there is hell, we know God will right all wrongs. And because of that, we should, we should cry for justice. But even if we don't get justice in this life, we know God will right all wrongs. And that lets us live at peace with each other with one another, and also forgive those who have wronged us. But at this stage now, we think, well, hang on, I'm not exactly perfect either. I've got sin, guilt, and shame in my life. How do I not end up in hell like the rich man in Jesus' story? 
Well, this brings us to the third thing we can say about justice, and it's this. Jesus saves us from the retributive justice that we deserve. Now, my friends love to play basketball. Unfortunately, I, I am terrible at basketball. I can't pass, I can't shoot, I can't dribble. Apart from that, I'm great at basketball. Well, actually, no, I'm horrible at basketball. But as you know, in the United States is this player called LeBron James. And LeBron James is an amazing basketball player. He's over two meters tall. He's over 110 kilograms in muscle. And sometimes I think, wouldn't it be great if I could swap places with LeBron James and he could swap places with me? And just for one day, LeBron James could find out what it's like to be a short little Asian. And I could find out what it's like to be a big, tall basketball player. And I would just go everywhere with both arms in the air, just so people would see how tall I was. And I would just go everywhere changing people's light bulbs for them just because I could. But wouldn't it be amazing if someone who was in a better off position than us would just swap places with us who aren't in such a great place? But that's exactly what Jesus does for us. 1 Peter 3 says this, Christ suffered once for our sins, for our wrongdoings, for our guilt, sin and shame. The righteous swapping place with the unrighteous, the just swapping place with the unjust, the innocent swapping place with us, the guilty one, to bring us to God so that we could be children of God and no longer the ones guilty before God. And that's a story of the gospel, the good news that Jesus came to save us from the punishment we deserve. And now we get to be where Jesus is, heirs of God, children of God, righteous, restored and forgiven. And there's so many stories in the Bible of this. We have the story of Zacchaeus, this slimy, unethical tax collector. But in Jesus, he is justified and he's forgiven and he's restored. We have the story of the demon-possessed man. But in Jesus, he finds power and freedom. And then we have the story of the Samaritan woman at the well who's outcast, who's broken, who carries shame. But in Jesus, she finds healing, restoration, a new start and forgiveness. And this can be our story also. We put our trust in Jesus. And this story means that Jesus is perfect, so I don't have to be perfect. Jesus is the perfect one, so I don't have to pretend to be perfect anymore. I don't have to try to make myself good enough for God. That's God's job. He will make me good enough for him. And that's where we find our hope, our restoration, and our brand new start. So there are three things we need that everybody needs to know about justice. So what are the other three things that we need to know about justice? Well, this brings us to number four, and it's this. There is also 
such a thing as distributive justice. Whoa, what is distributive justice? Well, this is what distributive justice is. It's giving people what is rightfully theirs. Whoa, what does this mean? Well, just the other week, my little boy was playing in AFL, and as you can see from this picture, he was going up to take a mark when his opponent ooh, pushed him in the back. And that stage, everyone on the sideline screamed out, in the back, because he was clearly infringed. He had the right to a free kick, and the umpire needed to give him the free kick that was rightfully his. Otherwise, there would be no distributive justice. We cry out for distributive justice. And that's exactly what we see here in Jesus' story of the widow and the corrupt judge, Luke 18. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to the judge, the unjust judge. And she kept crying out with this plea, grant me justice. Give me what is rightfully mine. Isaiah chapter 1, God says this, learn to do right, seek justice, distributive justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. And then we get this vision that one day God will send in the future his servant, which we know is Jesus. And Jesus' mission, apart from saving the world from their sins, is this, here is my servant, Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him so he can do what? So he will bring justice, distributive justice to the nations, give people what is rightfully theirs. Well, what does this look like? Well, in this picture, we have a picture of a man and a woman. Did you know up to only like a hundred years ago, if you're in Australia, and if you're in any Western nation on the planet, the man had a right to vote in elections, but bah, bah, the woman didn't. Why? Because she was a woman and he was a man. And we say, no, that is wrong. She has a right to vote. That is distributive justice. You've got to treat her the same way you treat the man. Did you know up until the 1970s, Australia had what is called the White Australia Policy? That means you could come into Australia or you could not come into Australia based simply on the colour of your skin. And so this picture, this guy gets in, bah, bah, this guy doesn't get in, uh, she wouldn't get in, she gets in, he doesn't get in, this guy gets in, and she gets in. Why? Based on the colour of their skin. In this picture, this guy gets in, uh, but this guy doesn't. Why? Based on the colour of their skin. And at this stage, we say this is wrong. This woman, wow, she definitely doesn't get in. And we scream out for justice. Justice says she should get in. You need to treat her the same way you treat someone else who has a different 
color of skin. And that's why we still cry out for Aboriginal rights. Did you know there's been so much injustice in this area? Uh, they are people in the image of God, and yet their lands are stolen. No treaty has been signed with them. They had a stolen generation based on the color of their skin, and they have not been paid in real money for their work up until only recently. And this stage, we cry out, we cry out for justice. This is not fair. And why do we need justice? Well, justice is like a table. Do you know when you go to a coffee table, a coffee shop, what is the first thing you check out? The table, does it wobble? Because if it wobbles, ah, oh, now everything's out of whack and it's super stressful. Well, when we don't get justice in our land, it's like a wobbly table and there is no rest. And that's why our hearts cry out for justice. Until there's justice, there is no peace. And that's why we, bring, we, we come to number five. We have a longing for justice. And that's because the kingdom of God is the ultimate distributive justice. Now, what does a perfect Saturday look like for you? Maybe for some of us, a perfect Saturday is the perfect exercise routine in the morning. Maybe it's the perfect sourdough pancake for breakfast. Or maybe for some of us, it's firing up a charcoal barbecue and doing the perfect chicken barbecue. We all have a dream of what perfect should look like. Well, God has a dream, and it's our dream also. And it's the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God will be perfect. And part of what makes it perfect is that there will be perfect justice in the kingdom of God. Look at how God describes his future kingdom. Isaiah 11, he will delight in the fear of the Lord with righteousness. So this is the future Messiah when he sets up his kingdom. He will delight in the fear of the Lord with righteousness. He will judge the needy with justice. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. The future kingdom, when it comes through Jesus the Messiah, will be a future kingdom of perfect justice. The kingdom of God is the ultimate distributive justice. And just like we have a dream of a perfect Saturday, this man, Martin Luther King, also had a dream. In his famous I Have a Dream speech, he said many things, but these are, this is the main thing he said. He said this, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And of course, he gets that from the Bible, that all men, regardless of the color of their skin or their gender, all humans are equally created in the image of God. And because of this, he can dream big. And this is his dream. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves 
and the sons of former slave owners would be able to sit down together at a table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. And of course, he had this dream because of his conviction that our God is a God of justice. And he has made us all equally in the image of God. And of course, without God, we can't have that conviction because we don't talk about hamster rights when a hamster oppresses another hamster. We talk, don't talk about wildebeest rights when wildebeests uh, leave behind the weak and the frail, but we talk about human rights. Why? Because we are more than just animals. We're more than just another species of life on this planet. We have been created by God in his image. So we all have equal worth, dignity, and rights. That's why we long for distributive justice. So what do we do now between now and this future kingdom of God? Well, this brings us to number six, and it's this. We have a Christian group project of justice. I've said that word, group project. If you're like me, you don't like that because if you're like me, you were the uber Asian nerd at university. All I wanted to do at university was sit by myself in lecture rooms, study by myself, and smash out my exams and essays by myself. But at universities, they force you into these group projects. And I hate group projects because in group projects, it's the pooling of the ignorant. And there's always one lazy person who doesn't want to do any work. There's one not so smart person who's going to drag everyone down with their marks. So it's always left to one person. Usually the Asian nerd has to do all the work to drag everyone up. Well, we know, you know, that's not how a group project should work. A group project means we all group together and work together. Well, guess what? Jesus Christ, when he called us to be saved, when he justified us, he didn't justify us by ourselves. We also ended up loyal to Team Jesus. We ended up in a group project with Jesus. Well, what's his group project? What's it mean to be part of Team Jesus? This is what it means. We now have the mission of Jesus to bring his love, mercy, and justice on this planet. Amos 5. Look at what it says in the Old Testament. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, guitars, drums, whatever. Instead, this is what God wants. Let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. God wants us on top of everything that we do as a Christian church, our worship, our singing, our preaching, our teaching, he wants us to work together to bring justice down on this earth. And of course, this is the verse that Martin Luther King 
quoted in his letter to Birmingham. We have this group project. And in case we think that oh, this is just an Old Testament thing, God repeats it again in the New Testament, in the book of James. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Well, what religion does God want me to do? It's this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Funny, as Christians, we're good with that second bit, trying to stay holy and be ethical, but we missed out the first half, which is distributive justice. We need to look after the orphans and the widows. In case you're wondering, hey, is this some wacky, weird thing you're giving me? Give me some examples of social justice in the Bible. Well, in the Old Testament, we have the example of Joseph, who helped give relief aid to people in a famine. Again, he didn't have to do this, but he was so convicted because he had been in prison himself and he knew what it was like to starve. He now made sure that Egypt in its plenty could give relief aid to those who are going through a famine. We also have the example of Paul in the New Testament. You know that story where he's on a ship and they're in a storm and it looks like they're going to be shipwrecked and these sailors try to sneak off in their little lifeboat and Paul goes, hang on, that's not fair. We've got prisoners here as well. You need to treat them the same way you treat the sailors. We're all in this together. Everyone needs to be treated the same way. So how can we do some group projects for social justice? Well, here I've got just three very simple practical things. Number one is compassion. And I'm only singing out compassion because I'm very familiar with compassion. Maybe you know of other aid organizations like Tear Fund or World Vision. But with compassion, I know this, you can sponsor a child out of poverty for just $50 a month, we can sponsor a child out of poverty. That's one thing we can do. The second thing we can do as a church, and I'm sure your church is already doing this already, is some form of mercy ministry. I know cross-culture in Melbourne, they're a Chinese church. They've got some sort of ministry to uh, asylum seekers, also to international students. I know a church just a suburb away from where I am in Sydney. They've got a mercy ministry to homeless people. They do it just before their Sunday service starts. So that's one thing we can do as a church. Third thing we can all do is this. Please, please, please go to this link. I don't know how you can copy paste it because you probably can't, but just look at this, take a screenshot and go to it straight after this talk. I worked for City Bible Forum and only a few weeks ago we put on this, this thing on justice and we got some amazing speakers. There's Brooke Prentice from, speaking on behalf of Aborigines and talking about all the justice that we still owe the Indigenous people in this country. There's John Dixon who's a theologian, author, speaker, talking about the Bible, the biblical basis for justice. And this is a great one. Whether we're Christian or not a Christian, we should just watch this. Uh, their talks are only 15 or 20 minutes each, and there's an amazing question and answer panel at the end. Also, this is a great one to send to our friends, whether they're Christians 
or non non Christians, just to hear what we can do for justice and the Bible's basis for justice. Well, to remember our original question today, it was this: What does everybody need to know about justice? And I've given us six things to think about. But basically, it all comes down to this: There is such a thing as justice because our God is a just God and he's made all of us equal in the image of God and that's why our hearts cry out for justice and we stay restless when while there still is no justice you know us Asians by and large I know there's some there's still, you know, little bits of oppression and racism. But by and large, as Asians, we do all right in the country of Australia. And that, give, that, that gives us the temptation to stay very silent. Because the Asian way is just work hard, stay out of trouble, don't say anything. And by and large, no one will notice us and life will go well for us. You know, and there is a time for staying quiet. But often with justice, and especially when there's injustice, there's a time where we need to speak out. And here I'm reminded of this famous quote from a theologian talking about his time, or talking about the time in Nazi Germany for Christians, because not enough Christians spoke out during the time of Nazi Germany. And this is what he said. First, they came for the socialists. And I did not speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out because, hey, I'm not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Sometimes we do need to speak out for justice. And I remember... And one of my previous places of work, I suffered bullying and no one spoke out for me. But then I didn't speak out for anyone else when they were being bullied by the same management. And there was no one left to speak for me when it was my turn to be bullied. And so sometimes we do need to speak out for the oppressed. We do need to speak out for justice. This is Tokyo Drift, the fast and the furious. You know, when we when our kids were young and we had to feed them in the middle of the night, my wife and I would watch movies and we watch movies while you're feeding your kid. That is not the time to watch any arty foreign movies with subtitles because you would just fall asleep. No, that is the time for action movies. And the best in the middle of the night feeding movie was Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. And I remember in the middle of the movie, there was this scene where Uncle Kamata from the Japanese Yakuza had this saying, and he was actually quoting Shakespeare, and the saying goes like this. For the want of a nail, a horseshoe was lost. For the want of a horseshoe, a steed was lost. For the want of a steed, a message was lost. And for the want of a message, a war was lost. Something as small and seemingly insignificant as a nail had a big part to play. 
And maybe we feel the same with justice. You know, I'm just one person. What part can I play? Well, in the way God has set up this universe, we all play a big part. If we all work together, we can help bring God's justice, God's kingdom on this earth, his love, mercy, and justice. And I'm reminded of a time I went with compassion just two years ago to Indonesia. And for the one or two weeks we were there, we were working through an interpreter. And her English was amazing. And, and she, was an, she, she was an amazing asset to the team, this Indonesian interpreter we had. But at the end of our trip, she had a reveal, a surprise, and it was this. She said, I was once a compassion kid. I was once trapped in poverty, but someone sponsored me out of poverty. And because of that, I was able to go to university. Because of that, I was able to get a degree. And because of that degree, I can now work as an interpreter. And she can give back what was given to her. Something as small and insignificantly small as $50 a month was able to sponsor this lady out of poverty. So we all have a part to play. Justice is real because God is real. God is a God of justice and he has made us in his image. And that's why our hearts cry out for justice and we will stay restless until there is justice.